Hey, everybody, Ellie here, bringing you my weekly note to the cafe community. Also, check out Up Against the Mob, my, I guess, not so new podcast anymore. But if you haven't listened to it, you need to binge it six episodes. I guarantee you will love it. And send us any thoughts, comments, or questions to letters at cafe.com. Imagine for a moment that President Joe Biden had to make a difficult decision about foreign policy. So he reached out to former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright to talk things through and get her advice. Or let's say Donald Trump, while president, wanted to quietly get cutting-edge scientific advice on COVID-19, so he convened a private meeting with five of the top infectious disease experts at leading universities around the country. It's a hypothetical. Go with me here. Or consider a scenario where Barack Obama, faced with a perplexing military dilemma while he was president, consulted with retired General Colin Powell for wise counsel and guidance. Now, should those conversations be protected by executive privilege? I pose these hypotheticals because it's a bit too easy to dismiss out of hand Steve Bannon's claim of executive privilege, or more precisely, Trump's potential invocation of executive privilege with respect to Steve Bannon. Bannon hasn't yet formally invoked the privilege or any particular exception to his congressional subpoena. Rather, he's essentially told the committee to go pound sand in the most general of terms. Don't get me wrong. I am not, of course, making any kind of excuse for Steve Bannon. He's a miserable blowhard, a con man, and a dangerous demagogue. He's absolutely wrong to defy a subpoena from the January 6th Select Committee. The House of Representatives and the committee were right to hold him in contempt, and the Justice Department ought to charge him criminally, as I've written before. But it doesn't do anybody any good to downplay his potential legal arguments. Here's the common refrain. How could executive privilege possibly apply to Bannon when he didn't even work in the executive branch at the time? Makes sense, intuitively. It's called executive privilege for a reason. There is, however, a reasonable argument that executive privilege can apply when a president reaches outside the executive branch in the course of certain policy deliberations. The Justice Department examined this precise issue in 2007 and concluded that the privilege could, in fact, extend outside the executive branch. DOJ, under President George W. Bush, issued this opinion in the midst of a scandal involving the politically driven firing of several U.S. attorneys and seemingly wanted to indulge the president's inclination not to turn over certain relevant documents. That said, the reasoning seems sound on its face. Quote, Courts have long recognized the importance of information gathering in presidential decision-making, the opinion states correctly. DOJ also notes that, quote, naturally, in order for the president and his advisors to make an informed decision, presidential aides must sometimes solicit information from individuals outside the White House and the executive branch, end quote. And some of those communications might fairly have, quote, occurred with the understanding that they would be held in confidence, end quote. It's not crazy, really. I get that nobody much likes executive privilege outside of presidents and other folks in the executive branch. It's got that permanent Nixonian stigma to it, and then Trump blew it out beyond all proportion and reason. Fundamentally, the privilege serves to keep information secret, and we instinctively recoil at that. 
but it also serves a legitimate purpose of enabling presidents to have sensitive conversations without worrying whether they'll someday become public as courts, up to and including the Supreme Court, and past presidents, all the way back to George Washington, have recognized. Put it this way. Think about the presidents you might most admire. Perhaps Washington, Jefferson, Adams, Teddy Roosevelt, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Reagan, Clinton, Bush, both of them, Obama. They all used it. That's not to say DOJ definitively got it right in the 2000 opinion. The issue has never come up in a federal court, so we don't know for sure how a judge might rule. And while the idea that executive privilege could extend outside the executive branch certainly sounds nutty when you think about Trump and Bannon and their lunatic ravings, it's far more palatable if you consider the scenarios that I outlined at the outset here. Trump also faces this difficulty. He's trying to invoke executive privilege when he's no longer, well, the executive. Again, there's a temptation to laugh this off as senseless drivel, but that too would be a mistake. Would you quibble with somebody who said that the executive privilege survives the individual president's tenure? If so, you'd need to take that up with the U.S. Supreme Court, which made this statement in a 1977 opinion, Nixon versus General Services Administration. Yes, that's Nixon as in Richard. Crucially, the court also noted in that opinion that generally the current president is in the, quote, best position to assess the needs of the executive branch and to invoke the privilege accordingly. Would you take issue with somebody who argued that a former president could at least have some say in an executive privilege decision? Well, then you'd find yourself at odds with former President Barack Obama, who issued an executive order specifying that a former president should be notified and should have some input in executive privilege decisions, though, like the Supreme Court, Obama gave presumptive priority to the current president. Again, Trump will probably lose and should lose in court, but the argument itself isn't ridiculous and can't be casually brushed aside. There's another important limit to consider here. Even if executive privilege can extend beyond the executive branch, it very likely would not apply in substance to communications between Trump and Bannon relating to January 6th. There's another important limit to consider here. Even if executive privilege can extend beyond the executive branch, and even if it can be asserted by a former president, it very likely would not apply in substance to communications between Trump and Bannon relating to January 6th. Fundamentally, executive privilege is meant to protect policy discussions, particularly those relating to military, diplomatic, or sensitive national security secrets, as the court found in its 1974 decision relating to the secret Oval Office tapes created by Richard Nixon. There's almost no plausible way Trump and Bannon were having this type of legitimate protected policy discussions before and during the Capitol siege on January 6th. In fact, the privilege specifically does not apply as a generalized shield against disclosure of evidence of wrongdoing or criminality. Again, not good for Trump and Bannon in the context of January 6th. Ultimately, I believe Bannon will lose on his executive privilege claim if he formally raises it. But the legal argument isn't quite as patently ridiculous as it may first appear. And that leads to the bigger point here. Trump and Bannon have taken an otherwise sensible, legitimate notion, or at least one worthy of serious substantive debate, and they've turned it into something ugly and dark. We can and must reject these tactics of Trump and his ilk, but in the process we shouldn't throw away the underlying principle along with the bathwater. Stay safe and stay informed, everybody. 
A big part of what makes our shows special is you, our listeners. And that's why we'd like your help to plan for our future by filling out a short survey. Your responses will help us understand who's listening, what kinds of content our audience is interested in, and how we can reach even more people. So please go to cafe.com slash survey. That's cafe.com slash survey. 